0: I'm excited this morning to ask the children to do something during the sermon. Uh, I want you to count. What does it say there? Four words to count. Say them with me, would you? First one is? Over. Say it. Over. Alright, now that word over can be connected with overcome, overcame, overcometh, any form of word, over. The other one I want you to count is? Blood. Say blood. Blood. All right. the next one is? Word. Say word. It could be words also. Either one counts. And the last one is? Spirit. Good, you got it. Spirit. Okay. We're good to go. Now, you got that down, so you need some way to keep track of what these words are, so you can put a little mark, you know, every time you hear one of those words. It's going to be a big challenge, I know, because there's four words. Usually there's only one or two. So it's a challenge. But there's a bigger challenge ahead, and that is this one. Here's your challenge. From form two words. How many words? Two words from letters in those four words what are the four words Do you remember what were what were they over blood word spirit say it again over blood word spirit these are all integral parts of the sermon today so you're going to form from those two words you're going to form two words form two words from letters that are in those four words Okay? The capitals might give you a little hint. So you're going to form two words from the letters in those four words, and you have to add one other letter that's in John 13, verse 4. All right? Got to add one more letter it needs to finish out that, that two words. And I want to emphasize that that phrase is related to the foot washing service, which is where John 13 is found, And it's in the story I'm going to share with you now. So here's the story, okay? There I was, a sophomore in high school. Now it was a brand new school year starting, a brand new building, and there were hundreds of children all gathered at the school. The doors were locked because they don't open them until the bell rings, and we still had 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go. So hundreds of students standing there. I'm a sophomore, this is a senior high school, it's only, only sophomores, juniors and seniors. So we're all standing around of course the sophomores, the little people you know, they're the ones that are in the high school, the bottom of the rung of the class with all the people. I'm chatting with some of my friends, a little bit nervous because it's a new school year, new school, school building, a lot of new people. And all of a sudden I'm standing there, my books are on down, down on the ground. i what, what's going on? And I turn around, and behind me, smiling, is the junior class bully. How many of you have heard about bullies? Okay, he's a junior class bully. And he's laughing. He says, what's wrong with you? You can't even hold on to your school books, you weakling. And he went on like that. He said, pick up your books. So I didn't know what to do, but I knew that I needed to bow down and pick up my books, so I I got the books and started putting them, all the time he's insulting me, I am one of the smallest kids in the class, and so I'm picking him up, and I get up, looking around all embarrassed, the whole hundreds of students are looking over here at this activity that's going on, I'm hoping, I hope that's the end of it and he'll stop, but he's still talking, and he says, can you hold him any better than that, and he hits him again and knocks him on the ground, I thought, oh, this is terrible. I'm thinking as I'm going down to pick up the books again, and he's continuing to insult me. I'm thinking, I have to go to a new school. I'm going to get home today, tell my mother, I have to go to school somewhere else. I can't, after being embarrassed like this before the whole student body, I'm going to be the butt of everybody's joke for the rest of my life. I can't believe it. My mind racing into all the negative things. And I pick up the books again, and as I start to stand up, I see a movement behind me, and I look up, and there. The biggest, strongest kid in the senior class has picked up Bobby, put him against the brick wall, and said, if you touch my friend again, you're going to be in big trouble, and throws him down on the ground. I don't know what just happened. I don't know that big kid. (laughs) I'm his friend. That means I'm golden. My whole high school is before me, and my best friend is the biggest kid in the class. I was amazed. So graceful. Now about the puzzle, about the riddle, about this question. What two words can jump out to you? About anybody got that figured out yet? You have you had what were the words again? The words were over, blood, word, spirit. Emphasize the capital letters? The capital letters? B? O. W, S, bows. Wait a minute. What was I doing? I bow, and bow what? You got it. All right. Bows down because when we bow down and we realize we're at the end of our rope and there's no help and I'm going to be disaster and all the evil things that come to your mind as possibilities, and you're ready to give up. What happens when you bow down? Jesus lifts you up. Praise the Lord. God is so good to us. That's what he's all about. And we're going to do that in the foot washing service shortly. When we bow down before Jesus, because our life is so messed up. I mean, there's problems. Everybody deals with problems at various points in their life. We have marriage problems. We have financial problems. We have career problems. We have all kinds of problems. But, When we bow down before Jesus and ask him to help us, he lifts us up by unexpected power that's available, Holy Spirit power. Let's take a look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 7 to 9. What's that all about? We're in Revelation chapter 12. Most of you are familiar with those passages. And what's it talking about when we get there? Revelation 12, verse 9. What's the theme of Revelation 12, 7 to 9? What's it talking about? I want somebody with a nice loud voice to read it out loud there. Revelation 12, verses 7 to 9. This is a participating worship service. So, Who's going to read? Nice loud voice. All right, I see a hand in the back. So what's the issue here? There's a war that's going on. There's a terrible battle and a struggle. And is it a war with M16s and airplanes and ships blowing things up? No, it's a different kind of war. It's a kind of war of deception. And the deceiver, the liar, is telling lies about the character of God. How are they gonna solve the problem that comes with those kind of lies being spoken? With this war that's going on, a war of deception, what is God going to do about that? So this war continues, it says, and as we recognize that that war is at press, we come to Revelation 12, verse 10. So I need somebody to read verse 10 for me. Chapter 12, Revelation, verse 10. I want you to focus on those words about the accuser of the brethren. Do you ever feel accused, attacked, put down like I was that day when my books were knocked down? There's an accuser there, an accuser who's all the time on your case. And he was in the courts of heaven, as it says there, accusing us, accusing us before God saying they're not worthy, you can't save them, let me have them, just like in the book of Job it tells us about what was going on with Job's experience where Job went to God and said if you stop blessing him, he will curse you to your face. That's the kind of accusations he makes. And what did God do for Job? He allowed some problems to come to us. Do you ever feel like that? That you're facing major problems, you don't know how to deal with them the good news here is it says the accuser of our brethren is cast down praise the lord he's cast down that's good news but it tells us a few verses later that he's cast down to this earth that's a major problem and that's why we're still in a place of trouble and persecution now the challenging thing about this or the good news about this it says the accuser of what's the words there Accuser of? My, did it say my brethren in your version? Our brethren. Okay, so that means that whoever's speaking with that loud voice says that we on planet Earth are his brethren. Who is that person that's speaking with a loud voice? Is it Jesus? Perhaps it's Jesus or a leading angel, but isn't it wonderful to realize that we're brethren with the heavenly host? Doesn't that bring assurance? They're tired of hearing those accusations in heaven because they say, we don't believe that about that person anymore because he's under the blood of Jesus. And that takes us to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. So if we look at Revelation 12, verse 11. What does it say? It said, and what? And they, over? You got that word, right? Over? Overcome by what? Blood of the Lamb. The word of their testimony? Love not their lives unto the dead. I want us to be not among those who watch this thing I've been seeing advertised, the Avengers. I don't even know what that's totally about, but I've seen things pass by on commercials and things. And I don't know what it's about, I don't care to know what it's about, but I have the picture that these Avengers are somehow heroes that are gonna save the world or something. That's the stuff that we're being fed and I'm sorry that everybody wasn't here this morning for the Sabbath School introductory program because the Mills, Phil and Sherry Mills brought up some powerful statements that underscore the fact that we are being contaminated, polluted by what's being fed through the social media through movies, through all those outlets we're being destroyed by it because we're being given a false picture of what's really important in life. Because what's really important is that we get to know Jesus. We need to know about his blood. What what do we learn from the blood of Jesus? We learn the life is in the blood. That's in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. It tells us the life is in the blood. So when we have the blood, which we're talking about when it comes to the communion service and the grape juice, we recognize The life is in the blood. That means when the blood is separated, like in the Jews here, it means the life of Jesus was shed. His his life was ended for you and me. Can you imagine? His life for us. And if we accept it, if we eat his flesh and drink his blood, as it says in John chapter 6, it tells us what? many disciples stopped following him because he made this statement. But, what did Jesus say when the disciples who didn't leave him stayed and he said, the flesh profiteth, what? Nothing. Nothing. It's what? What does it say in John 6? The words I speak, it's the spirit that gives life. You caught that, words and spirit, right? It's The word of God. It's the spirit of God. That's what it's all about. Eating the word of God under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. That's where our focus has to be. Not distracted by all those false things that are going on. You know from this, this verse in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Many of you probably know it by heart. What does it say? If you continue in my word what what happens then you shall know the truth right you shall know the truth and the truth will do what it'll set you free free all these problems we put them take them to jesus we bow down before jesus and he deals with the problems We say father i have no solution but i give it to you you have the solution your power will fix the problem The flesh profits nothing, but the words I speak to you. They are spirit and they are life. You got that word spirit, right? I'm excited to know about that. You know what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15? It says, it says there, you want to look it up? Look it up, it's very important because it's critically vital that you understand this statement. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 really need to have this in your mind, because there are plenty of things that make people afraid in this world, and when they're afraid, they're not trusting in Jesus. They're not going to get the victory. They're not going to get the peace they need. So they need to overcome this problem. Somebody read it, Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Subject to bondage. How can we be free of this fear of death, this fear of failure, this fear of, well, all those problems we talk about, sickness and financial problems and relationship problems. We're afraid of these things and ultimately the ultimate fear is of death. And it says we are what? Free. Can you say that? Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty we are free at last. Say it with me. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. We're no more fear of death. We know the one who's the resurrection and the life. Thank God for that assurance that we have. Now, we have a problem, and it tells us about it in Psalm 51, verse 5. And you know the verse, undoubtedly. You know what our condition is. I mean, we can look at people, and they're struggling. They're down and out. They have all kinds of problems, uh, in poverty and struggling with life and, and we think you know I don't know what's their problem and we could say we could take a very proud attitude of you know it's too bad they're so messed up they should live better and do better and like me you know doing so much better but what does it say in this Psalm 51 verse 5 what does it say there say it again Shapen in iniquity. From when? From birth. Conceived in iniquity, right? So all of us have this major problem. We're born in sin and selfishness. A baby comes out and starts crying, take care of me. We are all infected with sin. And those that are doing better than some of those who are really struggling in poverty and brokenness, and we wonder how they could be so messed up, That leads us to pride, which was the original problem with Lucifer. So we have to have this sensitivity in dealing with people because we're all messed up from sin. And we need the help of God. We need to bow down before God. We need to bow down in service to others, which is what we're gonna be doing in the foot washing service. We need to find that freedom that brings us peace because we're not afraid of death anymore. I'm really excited about the fact that we can be together for the foot-washing service, for the communion service, to bring through these emblems, through these things, through Jesus' example, a freedom from bondage to fear. We're going to trust the Lord fully. Now, it costs a lot to do that, and I'll skip that one for now. We find peace when we come to Jesus. Right? What does that passage say? Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. When we come to God with our troubles, if we bow down before the Lord, then what do we find? We find rest. Rest in his promises. Memorial Day reminds us something and I want to put this up on the screen for you. This is the code of conduct for United States Armed Forces personnel. Would you read that one with me? Uh, you, you don't have to. If you're not an American, it's okay. Okay, but for those who are, you can put it in your country's name if you want. And we're a multicultural program, church, so if it applies to anybody. So just read this one with me. I am an American fighting in the forces which guard my country and our way of life. I am prepared to give my life in their defense. Now, substitute some words here. I am a Christian. I'm fighting in the forces of God his, for his kingdom. I'm doing it for my, the kingdom of God and for the way of life, a path of righteousness. And I am prepared to do what? Give my life in their defense. Are you willing to give your life in the defense of the character of God? both in your words and in your lifestyle. This is what we're called to be according to the code of conduct for the U.S. Should our code of conduct as Christians be any less than that? Absolutely not. Here's a little bit more of this code of conduct. Second point, you can read it with me. I will never surrender of my own free will. If in Now, stop there for a minute. Of my own free will. Sometimes we worry, you know, somebody's, uh, has Alzheimer's or they're really sick and their life is falling apart. Now, I'll never surrender of my own free will. Do you have free will when you're being medicated with high-potency drugs and you're near death and everything like that? No, so we, some people are afraid they're going to give up their faith in Jesus when they're on their deathbed or through serious sickness or something. We're set free from the fear, from the bondage, the fear of death. We're set free from that fear because we know that God understands. If we're not... If we don't have the ability to have free will, chill out. God understands that. Don't worry about it. No anxiety there. Trust in the Lord. It says, I'll never surrender of my own free will. If in command, I'll never surrender the members of my command while they still have the means to resist. Keep in mind that in the military, there's a chain of command. In the church, there is too. We have leaders for a reason. Heaven's angels are organized. So that's why we're organized, if somebody says, I'm a free spirit, I don't do that church stuff. Really? Well, if you're going to be in heaven, you're going to have to learn. I don't really have time to go through all the rest of the code of conduct, but if you ever get a chance to read it, it's fascinating because it's stuff that we should be well aware of. I want you to see this. The words, the cry of the French Revolution, 1794, crush the wretch. These are the godless people during the French Revolution were saying, crush the wretch, they're attacking Christianity. Now, there was a reason in the French Revolution to attack Christianity. There was a lot of bad religion out there. But this was over the top of them to say, we're gonna gather all of us who don't believe in God, don't wanna be bothered by God, don't want the commandments of God, we're all gonna gather together and we're gonna crush the wretch, we're gonna crush Jesus. I want you to know something. Jesus knew that. And he was willing to be crushed for us because how do you get the grape juice except you be crushing the grapes? Jesus' life was crushed for you and for me. And today as we have the communion service, we're going to be partaking of that juice, remembering that it's the words that I speak to you. They are spirit and they are life. We need to be feeding on the word, but I'm glad that Jesus has given this illustration. Now, how are we going to become overcomers? Remember, there are three points. The blood of the Lamb. Jesus shed his blood for us. By the word of our testimony, if we're standing here, if we're here today and we're going to partake of this communion service, what we're saying is that we believe that Jesus died for our sins, which gives us confidence to go forward. If we're not fully committed to Jesus, we have to give some serious thought about how to get right with God. And that takes us to John 3, verse 5, which is about what? It's about being born again by the Spirit, right? Now, the fact is, we can't, in our own strength, be overcomers. Remember, it's the blood of the Lamb. We have to look to Jesus, whose blood was shed for us. And we have full confidence in his ability to save us. But the second point is what? It was the word of our testimony. It's our words that we believe in Jesus, even if we lose our life. That was the first article in the Code of Conduct, right? We're going to be faithful to Jesus by his grace. But to have that kind of power and to be willing to die... For him, we need a new birth. We need to be born again. We need to have that confidence in Jesus. And this verse tells us about how it happens. Somebody read that? Nice loud voice here, finishing up. Luke 11, verses 11 to 13. You know what that's talking about, don't you? It's about a father who gives what? Good gifts good gifts to his children and we're human fathers and we're imperfect but if we come to Jesus somebody ready to read it nice loud voice All right. Earthly fathers are imperfect and they give good gifts to their children. Our Heavenly Father stands there eager to give us the best gift. And what is the best gift? The Holy Spirit. Spirit. And it says, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it says in this word ask, aiteo, the present participle, active participle, means you have to continue Asking. Asking. Asking every day, asking every moment. I don't know about you, but my mind wanders a lot. You know, I'm driving along, looking at the trees and the grass, and all of a sudden I think, I prayed this morning for the Holy Spirit to guide me, and I'm just drifting along. I could be praying. I mean, it's okay to chill out for a while and think and relax. But too much of the time, I I just drift into nothingness. I could be praying. I could be praying for God to guide me to somebody to share with. I could be praying for somebody that I've forgotten about that I was supposed to help. I could be praying. And I need more of that. I don't know about you, but I need a lot more of this continuous prayer that we've been told about. We need to pray continually. And I need more of that. And if you do too, I want to suggest to you, if you don't already have this booklet, it's free online, Steps to Personal Revival. Google Steps to Personal Revival, and it'll give you several sources where you can buy it. or or even download it for free. It talks about the necessity of daily baptism of the Holy Spirit, just saying that we need to be in communion with heaven much more than we are in these last days. Well, it's time. It's time for us to bow down, wash one another's feet, mindful of Jesus, and then to recognize we're going to be lifted up by the power of Jesus to live for him because we've come accepting the blood of the lamb. Our testimony is even unto death that I believe in Jesus and the word of God.